I don't know if you saw this during the Platinum Jubilee, uh, because most people were received pretty warm welcomes, except for the Prime Minister, Boris Johnson. He was booed at St. Paul's. Now, to understand what that means is that, generally speaking, in England, if someone turns out for a royal event, uh, generally they're, you know, they tend to be traditionalists, usually probably maybe conservative supporters. Usually. I mean, it's a generalization, but it's not always wrong. He gets booed at St. Paul's. So MPs within his own party aren't happy. His approval rating is is absolutely in the basement. Uh, it's a lot of it's over this so-called party gate scandal, which has dealt a blow to his authority. He was partying while other people were under lockdown. It's been proven. Um, you know, this is a guy who helped the conservatives to this massive victory in 2019. And it's just all gone completely wrong since then. So today there was a vote of confidence about his leadership. He survived just 148 against, 211 for. That seems like a good margin, but 148 against in your own party, that's a big deal. Boris Johnson tried to sound optimistic afterwards. What we need to do now is come together uh, as, a, as a government, as a, as a party, and that is exactly what we can now do. And what this gives us is the opportunity uh, to put behind us uh, all the stuff that I know the, uh, the media have quite you know, properly wanted to focus on for a very long time uh, and to do our job, which is to focus on uh, the stuff that I think the public actually want us to be talking about. No one can sound quite as delusional as a politician, can they? Anyway, with more on this, Garrett Martin is a senior professorial lecturer at the School of International Service at American University in Washington, D.C. He joins me now. Thank you for your time. My pleasure. So uh, just numerically, it doesn't look that close, but historically, this was a lot of opposition within his own party to a sitting prime minister. That seems remarkable. Absolutely. I mean, if you think about the last time that we had a leadership challenge against Theresa May in December 2018, uh, she won over 60% of the votes and yet was out of office a mere six months later. So the fact that Boris Johnson had less than 60% uh, does not bode well for his political future. I gather they're not allowed to challenge again this way for another year, but Boris Johnson, with this amount of hostility within his own ranks, it can't be a good sign for, for how does he hang on? It's going to be very challenging. I mean, to be fair, there is loose talk of trying to change the rules of the 1922 committee, which is the committee of the party which organizes these leadership challenges. So I think it tells you something that there is an appetite to try and have a leadership challenge faster than the next year. Now, theoretically, he does have this immunity, but in a way that's that's relative because if the close advisors, if the people close to him uh, down the line in a couple of months, if there's another revelation might force him out anyway. I mean, that's what happened really effectively for Theresa May, as I mentioned. She won the leadership challenge, but yet resigned six months later when her position became untenable. Now, for those who don't cover or don't follow British politics closely, uh, they may remember that he won a landslide election not that long ago. How has it gone so terribly for Boris Johnson in roughly a thousand days? Well, I think that there's several factors. I mean, the key, I think, is, you know, he won an election about Brexit, right? That was the key subject. But of course, soon after that, uh, the pandemic became the defining feature of British politics. And his management of the pandemic was not exactly stellar to start with. And, and secondly, I think all of the party gate really hit a raw nerve with people. You know, the, the revelations that essentially number 10 
the government and Boris Johnson had broken the stringent rules around COVID. That really hit a raw nerve because, you know, a lot of people in the UK had to abide by these very difficult rules. Uh, Often it meant that they weren't able to have proper funerals and proper closures. So it really hurt. And I I think it was really uh, difficult for a lot of people to accept the fact that Boris Johnson, you know, defined these stringent rules, but was not living by them. It was obvious hypocrisy. And the fact that it was happening so many instances of these rules being breached, I think really had led to a, a complete lack of support and just a lack of confidence in Boris Johnson. We did see him booed uh, over the weekend uh, at the Platinum Jubilee service at uh, at St. Paul's, of course, which is never a good sign at a royal function for a conservative leader to be booed at that kind of an event. Usually they're celebrated <laughs> when it comes to the monarchy and such. Uh, for listeners who may not remember what Partygate is exactly about, uh, there was a, not just one, but a, it seemed like a series of violations and a report into it as well that was damning uh, about about how Johnson and his closest advisors, his circle, inner circle behaved during the uh, lockdown. Oh, yes, it was. I mean, Partygate was extremely damning. I mean, the the events that were investigated took place over essentially spring of 2020 to the spring of 2021. So this was a period generally in which you had some of the most stringent lockdowns. Uh, the revelations that there had been those breaches and that rules had not been followed began to surface late in 2021 and then kept you know, increasing throughout early 2022. And so a number of investigations took place, one by a civil servant named Sue Gray and the other by the Metropolitan Police. And they were investigating about somewhere in the vicinity of about 16 instances that were known where the rules had been breached. Uh, Boris Johnson, you know, it's also important to remember was in a very vulnerable position in February of 2022. It looked really like he was going to be ousted at that time. He got a temporary reprieve with the war in Ukraine, which helped a little bit his approval because it seemed at that time that maybe the war was a priority. But when the, the report by Sue Gray came out in full in late May, so about you know two weeks ago, uh, it was very damning about his leadership, very damning about the culture that had been uh, instituted in Downing Street of completely ignoring the rules. And, you know, it never helps also when you had photographic evidence of Boris Johnson clearly having a drink with a large number of other people at a time when those that, that was not permitted. Yeah, I mean, having parties at number 10, quite literally, at the same time as, it, and I, I know we've spoken about this in the past, at the same time as there were images of the Queen mourning the death of her husband all by herself. Yes, I mean, that was that, that juxtaposition of having a party at the same time as the Queen was mourning. And, you know, that specifically, you know, for conservatives, I mean, who generally are probably more supportive of the monarchy, uh, that was viewed as sort of, you know, an ultimate insult for many. And, and I think it also plays into a narrative that Boris Johnson is not always, let's say, can be somewhat economical with the truth. And I, I think it's really cemented an image and crucially, it cemented an image of him, you know, being highly hypocritical amongst the new voters that the Conservatives had been able to attract uh, in that landslide win that you mentioned earlier in 2019, uh, the more traditional Labour voters in in Northern England, in the so-called Red Wall. So the fact that he's lost a lot of support with that core constituency does not bode well. And the key question for the Conservative Party is, 
do they think they have a better chance of winning the next election, which is at the latest in late 2024, or would they be better off for someone else? And that's a key question that they really are going to have to, to, to think about, you know, in the next few months. But Johnson has always been known to be economical with the truth. I mean, it's kind of his, kind of his signature in, in many ways. You would think that a lot of, you know, the party especially knew exactly what it was getting in Boris Johnson. Yes, they did. But, you know, it's a bit of a Faustian pact. I mean, he did not, Boris did not really have a core constituency in the party like some others do. But the fact that he won in such a landslide, I think, gave him a real sort of cachet or it gave him a real strength within the party. But the more his approval rating has been sort of tanking, and right now it's historically low. I mean, the last measurement uh, in early May, so before some of those revelations, was only 26% approval and 68% disapproval. And you, you can't really recover from those numbers. I'm speaking with so Gary. Oops, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Uh, ben. I was just saying, it's, you know, that's, that's the problem, is that the, the likelihood that Boris Johnson can fundamentally turn that around is very limited. I'm speaking with Garrett Martin. He's a senior professorial lecturer at the School of International Service at American University in Washington, D.C. We're speaking about uh, Boris Johnson, Britain's prime minister, surviving today a confidence vote within his own caucus, but uh, but with record high disapproval, 148 MPs uh, voting against his leadership. When we come back, just a bit more about the Conservative Party itself, because if you just watch from afar, this is a party that hasn't lost an election this decade, in the last decade, but is now on to its third leader, who's also highly unpopular. We'll find out a bit more about why that is after this. I'm back with Garrett Martin. He's a senior professorial lecturer at the School of International Service at American University in Washington, D.C. Uh, we're speaking with Boris Johnson today, just surviving a confidence vote within his own caucus, 148 uh, MPs voting against him to roughly uh, just over 200 in support, less than 60% support from within his own party. Keep in mind, his own caucus. That's, that's astounding. Uh, Garrett, when we look back, I mean, David Cameron came and went over Brexit. Theresa May came. She's gone. Uh, now Boris Johnson is clearly in trouble. What's up with the Conservatives? Why can't they settle on someone? Well, you know, I think some of the cha- some of the challenge has to do, and this is not unusual if you look at other parties in other parts of the world, is that you know it's quite it's quite a divided party on certain core issues. For Theresa May, I think the big tension was over Europe between really sort of the hardcore Eurosceptics and those who are more mainstream. And I think that issue of Europe uh, had been very divisive for the Conservative Party for for decades. It brought down or it really weakened uh, John Major in the 1990s, leading to Labour's massive win in 97 with, with Blair. Uh, it really was an Achilles heel for David Cameron throughout. Um, so I think that's, that was a core, you know, core problem. Uh, Brexit, in a way, changed that dynamic because it really got rid, it purged all of the more mainstream sort of pro-European voices that still remain in the Conservative Party and really became a party of Brexit. But, you know, it's also a very transactional approach. I mean, uh, you know, all of these MPs are worried about their own political future. They're worried that if they're saddled with Boris Johnson and Boris Johnson's approval rating continues to tank and he becomes a massive liability, they're also worried about their own political future. As MPs are, are want to be. Uh, the opposition does not seem, I mean, a few by-elections recently might speak against this, or at least the momentum may be shifting. Uh, but of late, the, the opposition, whether it be Labour or the, or the Liberal Democrats, haven't really seemed to be able to take advantage of this turmoil within the Conservative Party, though. 
they, they haven't really capitalized as much as you expect. But I think it's still telling that throughout the polls, in the, about in the past 10 months, Labour has a consistent lead. Okay? And, and I think that's important. It, if that continues into next year, it, again, it's going to be very difficult to, to change that. Um, Yes, Kerstama is not necessarily very popular, but crucially, he's less unpopular than Boris Johnson. And if you remember, that was enough for Boris Johnson to beat a more unpopular leader in Jeremy Corbyn in 2019. So Starmer doesn't necessarily need to be very popular. He just needs to be viewed as less problematic as Boris Johnson. Um, I think also the issues around Boris Johnson are about trust. But I think they're also becoming more connected now to the inability. I mean, all of these issues around Partygate are also a distraction from the Conservatives de- delivering on the ambitious manifesto, the ambitious program that they outlined in 2019. Uh, the idea of the great leveling up, trying to help some of those regions that had been left behind economically, uh, rebuilding the NHS, building you know, all the the, the changes over the Northern Irish protocol. Uh, I think that's also a big source of concern and a big source of, uh, you know, playing a part in the disaffection towards Boris Johnson and the Conservative Party that we're seeing in certain parts of the electorate. Yeah, certainly just a, a general sense that he is unable to govern uh, because of all these distractions. Is there anyone in the Conservative Party now, and I, I, if you think back, I guess, to 2019, this really, in many ways, because they did attract a lot of new voters, the Conservatives, uh, in 2019, that this was really sort of a Boris Johnson's Conservative Party attraction. And now this is clearly uh, what be, what was a what was a benefit has now become a hindrance. Is there anyone in the wings in this party who people are going to want to warm up to uh, in time for the next general election? I think that's, in a way, the saving grace for Boris Johnson for, for the moment, that there isn't an air, a presumptive heir. Um, you have a couple of ministers that have some standing. You know, I'm thinking of Ben Wallace, who's a defence secretary, uh, Liz Trust, who's a foreign secretary. But none of them is really a clear-cut favourite, and they're not necessarily separate enough or have enough of a constituency. Uh, Richie Sunak, the Chancellor of the Exchequer for a while, was a rising star, but his name was also tainted by my party gate. And he also received a fine for, for being part of the breaches of COVID protocols. So in a way, that might help Boris Johnson for the moment, because it's not just a question of getting rid of a prime minister. You also have to think about who can take over and be effective and give the party a better chance of winning at the next election. I know there are a couple of important by-elections coming up uh, in England, uh, one of which is in a a seat that that the Conservatives took from Labour. Uh, you mentioned the Red Wallers earlier. Uh, I imagine a lot of people will be watching to see how the party fares in those two by-elections to see whether or not the knives the knives come back out and come back out quickly for Boris Johnson. Yes, those by-elections on June 23rd, if I'm not mistaken, are, are going to be crucial because fundamentally, and I think this is important to to analyze today's result in a a longer time uh, frame, Boris Johnson is in the vulnerable zone, okay? And whatever next sort of setback could again lead to the knives being drawn again. So if they lose the by-elections, which they last won, uh, and if they lose badly, if there's a big swing in terms of the votes to another party, Again, that could put renewed pressure on Boris Johnson. He really has no real margin of maneuver now. And, you know, people are going to be on the lookout to try and push him out if they feel that his, uh, you know, he becomes even more of a liability. 
And yet again, going back to his record, um, when, when he was mayor of London, he seems to have had this amazing ability to escape from these from these very dangerous situations. Uh, do you suspect that he'll he'll find a way out of this one? I am more and more skeptical. I, I think the sheer number of people who voted against him is very telling because you also have to think about his capacity to mobilize on any other subject is going to be tainted and compromised. Uh, you know, Graham Brady, who is the chairman of that committee that organized the vote, said that, you know, Boris Johnson has the confidence of the party. I mean, that's just a turn of phrase, but really in many respects, it's not the case anymore. You know, he has lost confidence, you know, maybe like a cat, he has nine lives, but after a while, he is going to run out of space. And I, I am really would be surprised. I hate normally to put bets on this, but I would be surprised if he is prime minister at the end of this calendar year. Garrett Martin, thank you so much for your time tonight. I appreciate it. My pleasure.